0: Welcome to Unsanctimonious, the podcast where two irreverent pastors explore the Bible using the Revised Common Lectionary while doing their best to be unsanctimonious. What does that mean? Well, if the word sanctimonious means self-righteous, holier-than-thou, smug, falsely pious, pompous, self-satisfied, or prideful, we want to be the opposite of that. Your hosts are Jonathan Kleinsmith and the Reverend Mark Jardine. And even though we're both pastors, we won't pretend to have it all figured out. Spoiler alert, no pastor, theologian, or Bible scholar actually does. But we do believe that God is revealed in the reading of these holy words, and our hope is that by listening to this podcast, you might have an encounter with God as well. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into the world's all-time best-selling book and see how it might be speaking to us today. Hello, and welcome to Unsanctimonious. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan Kleinsmith. With me is the Reverend Mark Jardine. Mark, how is it going?
1: It's going great. Right. How are you doing today?
0: I am uh, fair to Midland. That is uh, what they say uh, when you're from the Oklahoma Panhandle. You say fair to Midland to say I'm doing okay. I don't know why they say that, but uh, it it is an expression (laughs) that people use for some reason. Uh, You know, I am excited about diving into some scripture today. Uh, If you're joining us for the first time, this is a podcast where we um, use the Revised Common Lectionary to pull out certain readings throughout the year, and we will uh, pull out those scripture readings and ask them four questions. Uh, What's the ancient problem that the scripture is trying to address? What's the ancient solution that it offers to those problems? What modern problems might that scripture be speaking to? And what modern solutions might the scripture be offering us today? Today, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 33 through 46. And we'll be reading out of the common English Bible. We chose that translation because it's easy to read, not necessarily because we think it's the best translation in the world or because... Uh, we're devoted to it, or because we get some sort of kickback, those big, uh, those big, um, you know, kickback Bible dollars that everyone talks about, uh, but we, we, we just wanted to pick one that was easy to understand, so uh, we're gonna go ahead and read that, and then dive in, so here we go, Matthew 21, 33 through 46, according to the Common English Bible. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it and built a tower. Then he rented it to a tenant farmers and took a trip. When it was time for harvest, he sent his servants to the tenant farmers to collect his fruit. But the tenant farmers grabbed his servants. They beat some of them and some of them they killed. Some of them they stoned to death. Again, he sent other servants more than the first group. They treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. When the tenant farmers saw his son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come on, let's kill him and we'll have his inheritance. They grabbed him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenant farmers? They said, he will totally destroy those wicked farmers and rent the vineyard to other tenant farmers will give him the fruit when it's ready. Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it's amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that God's kingdom will be taken away from you and will be given to a people who produce its fruit. Whoever falls on this stone will be crushed, and the stone will crush the person it falls on. Now, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard the parable, They knew Jesus was talking about them. They were trying to arrest him, but they feared the crowds who thought he was a prophet. So the word of God for the people of God.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: All right, Mark. So uh, you get first crack as usual. What what uh, what sticks out to you about this?
1: I think this is uh, you know um, you got to when you put it in scriptural context, you realize that. uh, this is one of uh, three parables in a grouping, and this is a center parable. Uh, this is also appears in the Gospel according to Mark. Uh, no bias there, of course. But uh, anyway, uh, it uh, <laughs> there's some variations in this version from the Gospel of Mark. But but this is a parable, uh, which always points toward the kingdom. And this certainly even has kingdom language in it. Uh, you know, it talks about God's kingdom down there in 43. Uh, what strikes me about it is it, it is really uh, the portrayal of Israel's relationship with, uh, with, with God is what this is laying out here, is the history of that relationship with God. Right. And, uh, you know, it's being addressed, all three of these parables in this grouping are being addressed to the Pharisees. Actually, not to, they're, they're addressed to the chief priests and elders, And then at the end, in 45, we pick up the, the Pharisees get thrown in there too. So, uh, you know, we get, get everyone in the group, we can and, uh, and, uh, so Jesus is here addressing them and he's really just laying out the history of how they have treated, uh, God's prophets and, uh, then him as the son, he's predicting his own, uh, death here, uh, portraying it in, in this, uh, parable. And uh, you know, talking about just how Israel has really rejected uh, God's movement toward them and uh, been unfruitful, and uh, you know, so so the problem here is is that uh, you know if you want to go to the what the ancient problem was is the ancient problem is is uh, here he's addressing the chief priests and the and the uh, elders and the Pharisees and he's just saying you know this is this is our history uh, uh the problem is you've not you've rejected god you've rejected god time and time and time again with his messengers and his own son and uh uh you know this doesn't work for your relationship with god and our relationship with god and uh so i think i think the the ancient problem was is uh, Israel had rejected God and uh, they were going to reject God's son and this rejection uh, is a problem which it always is a problem you know? <laughs> anyway, it's a major problem here uh, and that's that's the under that's the big problem going on
0: yeah I think that uh, you know it's just some back fr- background information like Jesus is not the first person God has sent uh, to communicate um to the people of Israel, right? We, you know, we 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 know all about the the forefathers, right? You know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and we know about Moses. And we, we also get to a group that's really significant in this passage is the prophets. Mm-hmm. These are people that spoke the word of God uh to the kingdom of Israel. A lot of times they say things that the priests didn't want to hear. They say things that the uh kings didn't want to hear. Um and uh a lot of times those those sources of spiritual and earthly authority for the the kingdom of israel um eventually the kingdom of of judah um they (coughs) um choose to follow different voices instead right uh one of my favorite passages of scripture is in the book of jeremiah uh the king, I think it's Jehoiachin. Uh, it might be Jehoiachin. There's two that have like the same name and I can't remember what off the top of my head who it is. Um, but it, uh, he's sitting by the fire. He's got a knife in his hand. He's got the scroll that Jeremiah has written, right? And uh, it, 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 every time he gets to a line he doesn't like, he he uh, takes that knife and he cuts out the the passage that was written and throws it in the fire, right? Uh, and this is how a lot of kings treat the word of God, right? They're, they uh, see what God has, has been saying through these prophets, and they don't like it. And so uh, they, they uh, decided to listen to the parts they like and, and not listen to other parts. But uh, repeatedly throughout the Old Testament, we see this sort of cycle of destruction play out where um, the spiritual and earthly leadership of the people of Israel— found wanting and Israel suffers for it. Uh, Most of the time, God will come back in and save the people once they've repented. But um, now it's sort of hit uh, sort of a a crisis point, right? And the people Mm -hmm. of Israel have found themselves maybe at their lowest point under the reign of the Romans. And Jesus has come, uh, not only, uh, you know, the, the scripture reveals this for us, but uh, in later passages, but not only to, um, you know, to, to play that prophetic role, but also to play a, uh, a, the role of a savior. And, uh, and yet even, uh, this person that's come to save them will be rejected by those in power, right? The, the Pharisees, the scribes, the high priests, like the people that represented both worldly and, uh, spiritual authority, like they, they uh, were not willing to listen to what Jesus had to say.
1: It challenged challenged their status quo of where they were. And, uh, you know, even though, you know, being under Roman occupation was not a great place to be, it challenged Jesus. What Jesus came along and said, just like the prophets, uh, challenged the status quo of the day. And... uh, You know, the prophets, they didn't do well. Uh, You know, it's it's funny if you go back through the Old Testament, which we're not going to do, but if we were to do that uh, right now, we would go through and we'd see this cycle where kings listened to prophets, they did well. Kings didn't listen to prophets, and everything went, you know, down the tubes. And, uh, you know, there's a cycle. Uh, If you ever want to get into a long, uh, laborious study of Scripture, uh spend some time just studying the reign of the kings in the old testament and watch the pattern of those that listened and those that didn't and watch this this is sort of this downward spiral of the of israel uh was based upon you'd have one good king and you have two or three bad kings and you have a good king and you know it, it's just you never you never were getting back to where you were but you kept getting a little boost every so often and then you come to this point as you just identified this is. This is the crisis point because now, not only have we wiped out all these prophets that we've rejected, now we're to the sun. And uh, once you're to the sun, there's not a whole lot further you can go with the rejection. You have finally rejected, maybe this is the ultimate form of rejection of God uh, that can occur, has occurred here. And uh, so this cornerstone, Has been rejected or is going to be rejected. And that's going to change the script of how things go forward. And uh, so, anyway, so I I think, you know, uh, this is the journey we've been on uh, for thousands of years now. And here we are.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, this parable doesn't seem to bode well for uh, the tenant farmers who uh, have, have killed the son at the end. Right. Like, uh, you know, that we get the idea that, that maybe wrath is coming their way.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's very much a parable of judgment and uh, sometimes we're uncomfortable with that in Christianity, modern Christianity, but this is very much a parable about judgment and, uh, it's about grace and judgment in that God still creates a way forward, but there is judgment in terms of the past and uh, this rejection. Yeah, and I don't think it's... Uh, you know, I, I think um,
0: we have we kind of... In modern Christianity, there, there are a few different ways you can go, and, and sometimes we go towards legalism. But another direction we often go is this, like in the direction of hyper grace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we we skip to the grace part without understanding, um, like the serious situation that that our sin and our rejection of God has caused, right? And um, this this parable it doesn't end with that note of grace; it ends with a note of judgment. And I think that that does scare us, but we we should also remember, right? Like um, God, if God wasn't just, we would actually be in more trouble, right? Like uh, God is a God of justice. And although God forgives, which we will see in other parables, what we need to understand is what we deserve um, is actually this judgment, this, 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 uh, this sort of impending doom uh, that we all bring on ourselves through our own actions, right? Um, And luckily, you know, I can say, as a modern believer, right? That I don't believe for using, uh, you know, for using Buddhist terms. Right? I don't believe in karma. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't. Uh, uh, I don't in the the traditional sense, anyways. I believe Jesus died for my bad karma. Uh, but uh, but really, um, if we were just going off of what we deserve, we would all deserve death, right? And these. These these people that you're talking about in this this parable certainly
1: do. I I think the thing to think about is that, you know, God God does exercise judgment and justice, but justice always pulls back into reconciliation, and God always moves back toward reconciliation. I think if, you know, as we read even this parable, we see there, as we get to the end of it, we see reconciliation is the goal here and uh it's it's to offer a way for that reconciliation to occur that will be very different but he doesn't really you know even God in the end it's it's not like he's excluded these people he just says you got to do things different things have got to be different uh, this is not going to work and uh you know that's the justice at work in this parable and so uh, so i think you know as we move toward a solution, the ancient solution is, is that, you know, the kingdom's going to change hands. Uh, yeah. you know, this is one of the difference between Mark's version and Matthew's is, uh, uh, in 43, it says, therefore, I tell you, God's kingdom will be taken away from you. I mean, I, I think in the, if you look at Mark, we're talking about Israel, uh, but now it's the kingdom language. Right. Uh, and which is a much broader and more inclusive understanding of, uh, of what God's about here uh, but I'll tell you that God's kingdom will be taken away from you and you'll be given uh, a people and be given to a people who produce its fruit. Uh, in a way he's predicting the fall of Jerusalem and uh, yeah yeah and, and the kingdom now will shift away from Israel and be given to the Jews and Christians who choose to follow Jesus and go forward as believers. And uh, uh, in place of the unbelieving Jerusalem, uh, this is the answer is that there is now going to be a new way forward. And uh, the new way is going to be different. And it's going to disempower uh, these Pharisees, and, and the chief priests, and the elders are going to be disempowered in this. And, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the amazing thing about this parable, I, I find verse 46 just to be sort of interestingly, uh, an interesting verse in that uh, they were going to try to arrest him, but they feared the crowds
0: who yeah. thought he was
1: a prophet. I mean, yeah. the funniest thing about this, not the funniest thing, but the strangest thing is the crowds, the common people got to some degree who Jesus was. Uh but of course Jesus came as a symbol of hope to them because they were also being oppressed, not just by the Romans, but also by the chief priests and the elders and the Pharisees. Right. So, so in Jesus, they're hearing so so for them to have been, if they were listening in on this conversation uh that Jesus is having with the Pharisees and the and the chief priest, they're probably going, Oh wow, okay, so the kingdom's gonna change hands and these guys have been sort of putting us in our place and keeping us in our place, are gonna be out of power now. And we get, uh, you know, if we produce the fruit, uh, then we become uh, those who are able to be in God's kingdom and, uh, and have God's kingdom as part of our lives now. And so it's an opening up in many ways uh, what Jesus is predicting or what Jesus is calling and prophesying here in this parable.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. The, the, the language, right. The, the fruit sort of ideas like, um, you know, we know that, uh, in the old Testament, Israel is called to be this nation of priests and the expected fruit is righteousness or holiness. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is, it is rarely seen, but when we get to Jesus, and especially when we get to Paul's letters later on, we see that the fruit that is expected is not really an earthly fruit in, in any, you know, sort of like, it's not just this kingdom that rules in the name of God, but the fruit that's expected that, uh, you know, we start to see as like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Like these are, these are not the fruits that, uh, that I think a lot of Jews in the first century were hoping for that like right. when they, they think about the harvest of God coming. They're probably thinking like, hey, we get to throw off the yoke of Roman oppression. We get to be violent towards these people that have been violent towards us. And yet Jesus, he gives them a new life in the spirit that is um, that is unexpected, right? Like right. it's not what you're really thinking of when you're a first century Jew. You're, you're thinking of, uh, a lot of times, you're probably thinking of re- revenge when you think of the idea of the Messiah. And yet here jesus comes and it's not about revenge it's about loving your enemies
1: right yeah it's 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 reconciliation it's uh you know it's it's a whole different understanding of what messiahship is uh from what they've expected for thousands of years now uh and uh so as as we move forward in this uh we see that uh you know he's he's reshaping their whole understanding of, of the faith and how it operates. And he, who he is, but even who God is, uh, is being completely reshaped and who Jesus is. And uh, so so it's no wonder that the Pharisees and the chief priests and the elders have such a hard time with Jesus. I mean, I'm not gonna jump on their side and say, right, right chief priest. but really, I mean, <laughs> It's it, it, he is such a radical change from what they've expected, and uh, you know even the prophets before him were much more uh, uh, much more militaristic in their tone, in many ways than what we're seeing in Jesus. And so, so even though they miss them, which probably spoke the language more clearly that they would understand, uh, is it no? It's no wonder they're missing Jesus. Uh, because he is so different than their expectation.
0: And, you
1: know, just
0: historically speaking, right, like Jesus uh, is probably crucified somewhere between 28 and 33 AD. Um, right. In 70 AD, the Romans end up basically destroying all of Jerusalem, including the temple, uh, because the Jewish people have revolted. Um, there is a long, bloody war, Um mm-hmm. And, and in that struggle, a lot of people die, but this is, you know, this is the I, the idea of um, the Jewish people throwing off the yokes of the kingdoms of this world, and it doesn't look like they they thought it would, right? They were expecting right. God to show up uh, in, in God's glory and punish the Romans, but God doesn't, uh, because they've chosen the wrong path, right? They've they've chosen the path of violence and it's not the fruit that Jesus was looking for. And, and so eventually judgment does come, um, on, on this, uh, the people of, of Israel and, and really, uh, you know, really that's the, the end of the idea of Israel as a nation at that point.
1: Yeah. I I think the thing here is also in this parable is that God wants, or the, 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 the uh, owner, the landowner, which is God, by the way, in the parable, <laughs> he wants all the fruit. He just right. doesn't want the first fruits. He wants all the fruit. And so, in other words, he's he's asking them, uh, these tenant farmers, uh, Israel, to to give him all the fruit, to be all these things, and uh, not just to be, you know what they can do or what they can't do or the easy way or the, the simple way. He wants all the fruit. He wants their totality of who they are. That God claims are total claims on a people, right. not just partial claims. Right. Uh, you know, so, sort of like uh, you can't just be a Sunday morning Christian here. Uh, yeah. You got to play the game all week long. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I think that's part of what's going on here with this, uh, give him the fruit when it's ready uh god wants it all now and uh, he wants the total commitment of israel and not these mixed loyalties that they've had historically to you know where they pay tribute to foreign nations to protect them not trusting in god he you don't want to eat that anymore he says i want all the fruit right i want all of you i want you right. all in
0: which uh it brings us to the the modern problem uh do, do you see a a, a modern people of faith who are all bought in. I
1: think, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, the expectation is still the same. Uh, God puts a claim on, on all of us and all that we are. And, uh, we live, uh, under, you know, he, Someone once said that that God is a jealous God. Uh, And, you know, we don't like jealousy. He's not a great admirer. Right. But he is a jealous God. He he wants all of us. He doesn't just want 10% of us or 50% of us or even 90% of us. He wants us all in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, and then of course you got this model of how he operates, uh, that he wants us to operate in that same way. You know, you talked about the fruits of the spirit, you know, he wants us to be gentle and and peacemakers and peaceable and, you know, seeking reconciliation. Uh, and these things run very counter to even our natural inclination, let alone, uh, you know, before we get into, you know, anything about North America and our, you know, survival of the fittest mentality and rugged individualist and all that stuff, those ideals run counter in many ways to the fruits of the spirit. Right. And so so we got this natural inclination, we got this cultural inclination, and then we got God sitting over here going, okay, I want you over here seeking reconciliation, uh, gentleness, kindness, all those things, and I want you all in on that, okay? Yeah. And so how's that match up?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I think.
1: Are, uh, yeah. Are we any better? Are we any further down the road than the chief priests and the Pharisees to some degree in that equation?
0: Yeah, and I, I think some of, their, some of their sinfulness had to do with uh, not necessarily their end goal, right? The, right. the end goal of, of uh, pleasing Yahweh, maybe. But the, the means by which they wanted to get there, right? They wanted to use their political power, political authority um, to, to bring about this kingdom of God on earth. Um, we sort of see that um, in, in some ways today. Uh, and and I, I don't want to get political because that's not fun. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, think about just... People on both sides of, or on any side, you know. I say both sides from like an American sense. We have listeners uh, that are, you know, from all over the world um, on this podcast, Um, and so their political system maybe doesn't look like ours. But but really, we live in a time where uh, things are are so disjointed, where there's so much fragmentation um, that we often, even as followers of Jesus, even as modern Christians. We want to use those levers of power to make the world the way we want it. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, people on the other side who have different interpretations of how to do that, be darned, right? Uh, right. We're, we're going to make it happen the way we think it ought to happen. And and uh, and then, you know, it doesn't really matter if, if it happens the way God wants it to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the most painful things I see... Uh on the internet, on Facebook, uh, which by the way, I had this addiction to scrolling Facebook. But anyway, uh, <laughs> on Facebook is this, this thing about, you know, if, if you don't like the way it is, go find another place to live mentality. You know, why don't you just leave the country or leave whatever. And I, I just find that to be uh, completely anti-Christian. Uh, is that you just, ex, you know, you you expel people basically who don't agree with you on whatever issue, social issue, political issue, whatever it is, that you somehow, car blanche, just toss them out the door.
0: And, and it's not just that. It's uh, if you can't toss them out, you leave You're on your own, right? Like yeah. the idea of church shopping is kind of built on the idea of I don't agree with something, so I'm going to leave. Right
1: right and you know and it's 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 counter to everything we hear god talking about when he talks about when god when jesus talks about the fruits and the fruits of the spirit that paul gets to uh it's counter everything that we understand scripturally is this mentality of exclusion right and uh you know i i just find that uh you know and i'm sorry if you're one of my friends on facebook that. You know, I don't make a lot of comments on Facebook, but I sometimes I just go, oh, my gosh, uh, really, is that really how we understand the faith? Is that how we, you know, and, you know, we, we all fall short. I'll give you that. But uh, when we become exclusive uh, toward other people, that's that's not a healthy place to be. Uh, and that's not what God's calling us to be uh, when he calls for the fruit. Uh
0: yeah, I uh, I bought a book. Uh, it was a, like in the bargain rack of uh, of a Christian bookstore that we have here locally in Oklahoma. Uh, but it had the greatest title I think of a Christian book I think I've ever seen. It, it was "I'm okay, you're not." Right. And it was kind of a it was a, it was sort of a, a tongue in cheek kind of a funny book about how people get the gospel wrong. Right. Like we you know the the message. Uh, that we're called to give to people is that, you know, is that God loves them so much that um, that uh, he stepped down to human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, died for their sins, conquered the grave so that they can have eternal life, right? Um, but what we often express is that I'm okay because I believe in Jesus or my understanding of Jesus, and you're not because you either don't believe in Jesus, or you don't have my understanding of, of how you're supposed to believe in Jesus. And yeah, right, and yeah. although there there are fine points, uh, and and even some really big important big points that um, certainly separate Orthodox Christians from uh, other uh, faith sets, um, if that's our number one message that we're okay and you're and the uh, the people outside of our group are not, I think we've sort of missed the point of the gospel.
1: Well, I think we're right back with the Pharisees and the chief priests. I mean, because basically what they were saying is these are the rules, these are the expectations. We make the rules, the expectations, either fit in our mold or you're excluded from the covenant. Right. And and sort of what happens here is they end up excluding, because this is what we do if we're not real careful. We end up excluding Jesus from the covenant too, because that's what yeah. they did. Yeah, and that's yeah. a real problem, and obviously God sees that as a real problem because then that's when He calls for the you know uh, tenants to be thrown out and new tenants to come in, and so I think uh, I think we have to be very careful uh, that we're not throwing uh, Jesus out of the covenant by our behavior.
0: Yeah, and so I guess uh, this would be a good place to to talk about. Uh you know, what's the, what's the solution to this in modern times, right? How does, how, how what's our call to action? How do we live according to the ethic of the scripture?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have to start with the basics uh, that we have to see every person as a child of God. And, uh, you know, we have to come to a point where we can uh, uh, listen and uh, love them as a child of God, realize they're our neighbor, and realize as we choose to love them, we're loving God. And I, I think that's, uh, you know, I, I read something, I don't know, uh, you know, there's not a person you'll meet in life that God doesn't already love.
0: Yeah. wow. And if
1: we keep that in our brains, uh, it does frame how we operate. I think to a much healthier place in our relationship with God and Jesus. I think it's hard. Uh, I can tell you, uh, I don't have that mastered uh, by any stretch of the mind, and uh, because I mean, I can I can jump right in there uh, and make my judgments just like that. And uh, uh, but trying to step back, maybe maybe the le- lesson here is to learn to step back, catch your breath, and trying to see that person as a child again, and try to see things from their perspective. I think the other thing is, is we get hooked into our perspective, uh, whatever that is, and we send us then shape everything else in relationship to our perspective or our perception. Right. And uh, guess what? We none of us have all knowledge. Uh, none of us have all wisdom. Uh, we only have a limited perception you know i think it, i think it's uh, is a corinthians where it says uh, we see in a mirror dimly but then we shall see face to face yeah uh, you know we see things dimly through our perception but only only in another place in another way another time we will be able to really see everything with perfect clarity
0: excuse me yeah no i think uh, i think you you you're dead you're dead right on that. I think it's um, you know almost every judgment we make is from this limited human perspective, right? And uh, another thing it says in in you know uh, in Second Corinthians is is we are these you know we're these jars of clay, these fragile things that are easily broken. Um, but the you know and and so. And it goes on to talk about there's treasure inside and that's the spirit of Christ. And that's at work in us. But, but the, the thing that's, uh, that I, I think that I want to focus on when it comes to this right now is this mortal broken nature that we, that we sort of, um, we, we start with right. Um, that's uh, a lot of our understanding is flawed. A lot of our, uh, our best efforts are fragile um, breakable things. And, um, and so, you know, we, uh, like the tenant farmers in this equation, right? We, we reject the message of God so often, um, thinking that it's for our long-term good, like these tenant farmers did when really, um, it, it bears us no good fruit, but only poor fruit along the way.
1: Yeah. I I think, you know, I think sometimes uh, we, when we look at God and we look at Jesus, we understand that relationship was, uh, you know, every one of these attributes—kindness, uh, mercy, love, peace—these are all relational attributes. Yes. And and what what it seems to me is what we're hearing in this is that that God. Uh, seeks those relational attributes above being perfect. Right. Uh, being, you know, uh, being right all the time. Uh, he seeks relational attributes and he creates, uh, you know, avenues for reconciliation. I mean, Jesus Christ, life, death, and resurrection is a story of an avenue for reconciliation to God. Right. Uh, that That is it in the simplest form. It, it, God does not say in in that reconciliation, you have to be perfect to come to me. Right. He said, you just have to seek reconciliation through Jesus Christ. Yeah. You have to yield yourself. You have to set aside your, you know your your uh, your your view of how you're going to make everything work magically, and humble yourself, and just simply say. I want to be reconciled to God first. Yeah. And that's the priority. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think God is all about relationship. And uh, sometimes we think, well, God's all about my way and being right and doing this. And I, I don't think so. I think uh, you, as I look at, at this whole story of the tenant farmers, uh, it's a story about flawed relationship and that God wanted them to have he sent prophets for a relationship. He sent his own son for a relationship, and in the end, he says, "I'm going to create a whole new way for a relationship." Uh, and I'm sorry you guys are out, uh, but you can still get in if you're willing to give into that, come into being that type of relationship with me. And uh, so I, th- I think, as far as how it plays out in our life, is we have to look at relationship as a whole lot bigger priority. Yeah, right. Than being perfect. Then, the, when we look at our brothers and sisters uh, who differ from us in whatever way, uh, we have to value that relationship first, mm. and then we can talk about our opinion or their opinion or whatever we want to talk about. We have to start by valuing that relationship.
0: Um, and I think that's a good place for us to end today. Um, Thank you guys so much for joining us. We uh, have some resources available online. Uh, If you want to keep studying scripture with us, you can go to unsanctimonious.com. You can get daily scripture readings there. There's a forum you can participate in. Also, if you're listening to us on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts or iTunes, uh, we would love it if you'd go online and uh, give us a review and a rating. Uh, It helps other people to discover this podcast, and uh, our deep, sincere desire is not to be world-famous podcast uh, stars, but for people to have an opportunity to engage with Scripture and see how life-changing they can really be. Uh, any last words of wisdom before we depart this week, Mark?
1: You know, I just hope for all of us uh, that uh, we can uh, feel the grace of Jesus and God so deep in our souls that we don't just seek God, but we seek relationship with those uh, brothers and sisters who are different from us mm. and that can be open to that. And uh, because, you know, uh, it's only in love that we'll be able to change anything in life right uh, force never changes things long term right so uh, so anyway I, I hope you have beautiful relationships this week and all the weeks ahead and uh just god bless you on your journey we will see you guys next week amen, amen.